So we're going to be talking about sleep systems in the second episode here. For those of you that just joined and couldn't hear Ben's side of it. Uh, once again, Ben, very important subject, very broad subject. But uh, it's, it's really important. As we were saying, it's a good place to start for people that want to go into the woods for bushcrafting, camping, anything really. As long as you have a good night's sleep, generally the rest of the experience is pretty pleasant. For sure, for sure. I, I, I can honestly say some of my trips where I didn't get a good night's sleep, that is the thing I remember the most about that. Uh, so Yeah, if, definitely. If, if you have a bad night's sleep, it kind of ruins the whole experience, that's for sure. That's one thing I always preach, too. But uh, I don't know if it got picked up the first time around, but we were saying that sleep systems is a very big subject, and it covers a lot of things. Like, there's different types of uh, sleep systems, uh, there's different configurations of sleep systems. Ben's got some pictures there that hopefully we can take a quick look at for those of you that are watching this on video. And, uh, yeah. So why don't you start us off, Ben? What, um, what's your preferred method of sleep system and what's your, why do you choose that system? I guess. Um, my present favorite is, is definitely my hammock system. And, uh, I have a, a sleeping bag that I don't normally zip up. So I use like a top quilt. It, it, uh, it, has a foot box built into it and an under quilt. So that's, that's my present system. Why do I like it? I've tried more traditional, like lean to style. And I got really tired of having like things sticking me in the back and just general uncomfortableness in trying to get a nice, smooth, flat surface that was, wasn't uncomfortable. And th this is lightweight and easy for me to take. And I can get the same sleep almost anywhere. You could, it's it's pretty good everywhere, whereas in anything else, it's very terrain driven for me. Um, and I believe you're using a similar system. You, you, you also enjoy the hammock, at least in the summer, you said on the last episode. Yeah, uh, much like yourself, I started out sleeping on the ground. I mean, that's how we all start sleep, uh, start out more or less, I think. Uh, and I definitely upgraded to the hammock system as well. Um, more for me. Much like yourself, the ground being uneven and stuff like that. I just find I get a better night's sleep. Not only that, you get that nice rocking motion too. You know what I mean? Gives you a little more freedom. I mean, we all were kids in cribs and we always loved to rock. And it kind of translates over when you're an adult as well. But um, there are some complications with a hammock system. Would you not say, Ben? There definitely is. And there's a few unexpected uh, things that I found. And I've done a lot of research and others have found and that's like having to get up multiple times in a night is a very common thing with a hammock that a lot of people would never think. I don't know. Have you experienced that yourself? I wake up more often in a hammock. Uh, generally, when I fall asleep, I, I'm out unless something actually picks me up. The first couple times in a hammock, there was some wind and I didn't make the allowance for something to be under me. So I, I had some rude awakenings there, as anybody that's ever tried a hammock system and may not have been successful with it can attune to. You get some breeze under your backside, and you can get quite cold even in the summer with them because you are suspended and there's air moving around you all together. So uh, They call it the cold butt syndrome. Yeah, I was trying to remember the, the technical term for it, and I thought that was it, but uh, I also thought there might have been a more elegant term as well. Apparently not. No, I've been a member of hammock forums for years. I'm not as, as active as I was a few years ago, but that was the common term for it. It was the cold butt syndrome, and uh, it's it's brought up quite a lot. And the other one is is the frequent need to, to go to the washroom. Uh, I find it, it does affect me. Um, 
And occasionally, if, especially with the long trip, I'm a slightly more prone to uh, muscle cramps in the hammock than I was outside. Uh, but I've learned with proper hydration, those are alleviated. So, And much it, like yourself, I found some real problem with leg cramping the first couple times too. I never thought about it being related to dehydration. I just thought it was from being in the hoop. So good point right off the hop. Yeah. That, that's been my experience. And like you said, with... Uh, with the hammock system, you do definitely have the uh, the convection issue that's you don't have with ground camping. But uh, the, the comfort and the uh, the consistent lay I find out matches that anytime. And and the options you have for an under insulation are, are very vast, and almost anyone can come up with at least something to make it work, regardless of your your. And that's one of the things I think we'll talk about here. Oh, for sure. And, and maybe we sh we can kind of almost start there, and then we can work into the other sleep systems. If And that makes if that sense. I mean, I just want to kind of break the ice with what we use. But uh, something that's very specific to basically all sleep systems, if you can agree with me there, Ben, is a yeah. big thing you have to think about, regardless of how you're going to sleep, is thermal protection. Not only from below and around, but also from above, like just thermal protection as a whole around you. So when I say underneath, I mean, you have to have something under you. We talked about the cold butt syndrome there very quickly. Uh, yeah. You have to have something around you being a sleeping bag or something like that. And it's a good idea to have something over you if you can, like a tarp or some sort of shelter to hopefully trap a little bit of residual heat. Yes. Uh, so yeah. what's your thoughts, Ben? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you want to talk about heat loss, uh, I, I took some notes, so I'm just going through them. And, and there's four types of, of heat loss. You got your evaporation, your radiation, your conduction, and convection. So your evaporation, your sweat, being damp. So I mean, the very first thing with that is you've got to stay dry. And uh, uh, I guess a good place to touch on here is even like what you wear. If you wear the same clothes at night that you've been wearing all day, trudging through the woods, working, you know, making, getting firewood for the firewood building any structure, anything that you needed to build, your clothes are going to be damp. And when you stop to rest and you start to cool down, that evaporation, that's going to suck the heat right out of you. So, I mean, I recommend you at least change out of your clothes, either into another set of clothes or, or if you tend, tend to sleep in, in, like, less clothes, then that's, that's cool too. But at least make sure you're getting into a dry environment when you go to sleep and you're getting anything damp off of you. Um, Radiation, I mean, the only thing I can really think of that we use to combat that is like an emergency blanket. You may have some thoughts on that. So on radiation, like I, I love your uh, your bit on evaporation. There, you, you know the old saying, you sweat, you die. Lots of people have said it. It's, it's quite a famous saying now, but it's very true. And yeah. for anybody that's listening, um, we're not just talking out our butts here. Ben has experience with ground search and rescue, and I imagine that's one of the things they tell you as you're going out as a member of search and rescue is wear layers because if you sweat, you're going to get cold if you're in the winter or even in the summer if it gets to be a cool night. Yeah, yeah, and, and it pays into to a lot of your stuff. Like layers, you can just take the extra layers out and keep yourself cool. You don't want to be hot. You never want to be hot in the woods. You don't want to be cold in the woods. You want to be comfortable. And once you get out of that comfort range, you, you, you end up with the, the, the two potential areas. One, a sweating, and that's great when you're, when you're 
hot and you're in a cold environment, you're like, oh, it's great. But then later on, because you can't keep that up forever, it'll rob your heat. And it's going to take so much more to dry that clothing out and get yourself back to a comfortable zone. Uh, so, yeah. No, for sure. I completely agree with you. Um, and as you were saying with radiation there, sorry, I guess that's kind of, for me, where your sleeping blanket would come in. You're trapping that radiant heat that you give off yourself to reflect back in you. Uh, you and I had this discussion just on our own, not off the podcast. The big yeah. secret is insulation. you got to trap that, that layer of air so that you don't lose it elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You, we have a lot of options for that. I mean, you got your your your, your standard blankets like we we all have a home, I'm sure, in our beds. You can get more expensive, like down blankets are, are probably the most expensive, lightweight, compressible material you're going to find. I don't know if there's anything better than down for that. And then you got your synthetics. I mean, your down has the problem of being if it gets wet, it loses all insulation. Like it's virtually useless. Uh, synthetic sleeping bags are still retain some of their heat value. I don't remember the exact amount. And I know wool blankets hold 80% of their heat wet. Yeah, I myself, I if I go out in any kind of cooler weather, I tend to try and carry a uh, wool blanket with me. For anybody that's looking for those, I picked mine up from the flea market. I think it was $10. It was an old National Defense or D&D surplus. I mean, it was in good shape. One end got a little scorched, but I mean, we're talking literally a couple inches. Somebody must get a little too close to their camp stove. But uh, it was 10 bucks, and I mean, I, I, I'm i using it on my bed now through the winter. Like, I'm not out in the woods, so I throw it on simply for the reason that it's not a very thick blanket, but it holds a ton of heat. Yeah, I, I'm just really discovering the advantage of it. I bought one about a year and a half ago for winter camping. Never got out last winter like I hoped to. I found it very wet and mm. miserable the few weekends I had available. I was hoping to get my daughter out. I did get out this year with it, and that's one thing we took is the wolf blankets I had, and I, I actually put snaps. I was telling you the other night about it. I put snaps along the bottom and one side, and I can snap it off a bit like a sleeping bag, and it was part of a layered system that we used camping in the winter, and uh, it, it worked good. It wasn't the whole system by any means. We, we slept in minus 18-degree weather in a hammock, and uh, I definitely made sure we had plenty of options and we had, I think, the, between the underquilt, three sleeping bags, and that wool blanket on each of us. Um, and, uh, I think I have a picture I can throw up there, Ben, yeah, for those that are that that are watching the live feed here. So you can maybe talk about this a little bit if you can see it there. Yeah, you can see see our sleep system in the background there. And that's my oldest daughter. And we got my underquilt hanging underneath it. I got a 10 by 13 tarp I bought from One Tigress. Not that the brand matters that much. Hung over. The hammock um, and I got three sleeping bags in there that's my daughter's system and it, it had a one piece out of the three-piece uh, military sleeping bag a friend of mine loaned me and a couple of I'm a summer uh, sleeping bags I think one was rated for 40 and the other was rated for 20 Fahrenheit um, and, and it worked good uh, she was plenty warm the only other thing we did was uh, foot warmers uh, you can get an oversized one. I cracked a couple of those open and threw in with her. And I'm still not sure if that was a smart idea, but we survived and we we enjoyed it. So uh, Actually, I, that's I, a great question to ask people. What are their thoughts on putting, I guess, heating-type devices in uh, 
in your sleep systems with you. For anybody that's listening there, feel free to comment up. I myself, I, I really don't know what to think of it either, to be honest with you, Ben. I mean, it sounds like a good idea in principle to me. Yeah, my only concern was, and I don't know exactly the whole chemical reaction that happens in one of those heat pads, but I was kind of worried that it was pushing some moisture out. Now, it it was warm when I put it in, and it was still warm when I took it out. And we both tried it, and it, and it worked fine. I ended up kicking one layer of insulation off over the night. Um, but it was a bulky system, um, not something that I would want to track in four or five miles in the woods. Honestly, it would have been hard. But it got my daughter out, got her had that opportunity to do a winter camp. She loves camping, and she, she said she'd do it again. So, I mean, I was pretty pleased with how it came out. And that's a good point to make on hammock system there. You said a very bulky system in the winter, or it can be a very bulky system if you do it up to be comfortable. So that's something to keep in mind for people that are wondering. Uh, just a quick shout-out to Ed Fitzgerald there. He said, try knitted wool blankets as a liner, and his wife happens to make them. So if anybody's actually looking to get something like that, I might as well plug Ed a little bit. He's on here listening to us. So feel free to get in contact with him. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a little bit of hammocks. I guess we're kind of half focusing on that. What's your thoughts on other types of sleep systems there, Ben? Like, uh, I know we said we both started off with ground systems, which in the winter, uh, if I go out and I know it's going to be really, really cold, I actually do kind of convert back to a ground system more in a super shelter kind of style. If, if you know what I mean there and anybody else that's wondering what that is, it's a very low lean to style type of shelter where you take some uh, generally clear plastic and drape over the front of it and you have a very long low fire in front of that and it basically acts like a big oven. Uh, if you Google super shelters or YouTube super shelters, there's tons of information on them and examples of them uh, and, and it's actually a really good system but the key elements there are still you got to get something under. You can't just throw this thing down in the snow and crawl in and expect to be good because as that heat comes in, things are going to get wet and you're laying in the snow and that's going to be pulling heat out of you through conduction. So you definitely got to get something under you, even with a system like that. And especially with the sleep or sorry, in the hammock systems, as you were talking about with the underquilts. And that's where some of the bulk can come in when you go to those things. Uh, oh but, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I mean, like just mentioning bulk, I grabbed a few of my uh, sleep systems. I mean, that's my 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 underquilt, and I mean, you can see it here. It's it's a decent size. It takes up about a third of my pack, and it it'll compress down a bit, but um, it's not a, a down one. Down ones would get much smaller, but I mean, that's close to say size of a basketball. Yeah, so you were just pulling the compression straps in there, and yeah. it, it came down small, but that's still a fairly like substantial item to throw in your backpack with you as well, right? You're going to have to strap to the outside or eat up some significant room inside your pack. Yeah, I, and, and I guess something we can throw out here and, and discuss uh, as we get into more types and stuff, when you go to make a trip, before you leave, you kind of need to know what type of system you're hoping to use, and you you're going to base that off of how you're getting out there, where you're going, how long you're going for. Uh, your super shelter idea, I think, is a great idea, and I've used a similar system in the past. But I almost consider it a semi-permanent system. And I you, can agree to that, too. Right? And if you're going to go out and you're going to spend four or five nights in the woods or you're going to repeat, repeatedly join, go to the same place, that's a great system to set up. But it does take time i mean my my advantage with my hammock is i can have it set up in minutes very uh, true 
your super system probably takes you a couple at least hours. two hours. And then if you want it to, you want to put more bows and stuff on the back and, and boost it up, then you, you could spend days just adding to it, really. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I said, it take, uh, when I used it, we were doing a small group camping trip for a couple days, like you said. So I had the luxury of having other people there to help me, as well as it took a couple hours, just as you said, right? So, Yeah. we we In Search and Rescue, we did a wilderness first aid course. And part of that course was you had to build a shelter to protect the the victim, the the the, uh, the person, the injured person, for the night, and it does take like a, that's not a super shelter; it's a lean-to, and it's a great system to protect people, especially if you don't have a lot of other gear. And again, same thing, you have a fire, but it takes a good time. I think we're paused. Are we paused? It takes a good bit of time. I I glitched on my side. Yeah, I, I heard a little bit of a glitch there. For some reason it said I had a poor connection, but it all seems to be hammering out here. Hey, anyway, keep going. It seems to like it's still working. It just kind of changed your window size for some reason. Now it's back. Yeah, so as I was just <laughs> saying, it, it took a good while to to build this system. It takes a while to gather up the firewood, and you know, you, you're you're warm when you're creating the work, the work, and then you you get everything built. You're in there, and you got to you got to maintain a fire, like. Even a good long fire system, you can't not touch it throughout the night usually. You're usually putting a few things on, maybe moving a bit every two, three hours. That'd be about right for what you do? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like uh, with the long fire system, as you said, Jen, or sorry, let me back up a little bit. The super shelter system works extremely well if there's more than one person. If there's two of you staying in it, generally one person grabs about four hours sleep, somebody tends to fire, and then you switch out, right? You might be lucky, you'll get two waves of that uh, if it's pretty low low activity kind of camping. But otherwise, if that fire goes down, you're literally just sitting in a giant ice cream tray. Yeah. So. And, and then you're dependent on your, on your more immediate sleep system, your sleeping bags, your blankets, or whatever. And, and so, I mean... We, uh, my experience has been more with just traditional build it bow type background and stuff, and and I, we got away from that for the time. Like if me and my buddy were going out for a weekend, and we wanted to cover distance, that wasn't working for us. Uh, then we tried to tarp shelters. Tarp shelters have a lot of advantages, to, and, and we still I, you know I have tarps over my hammock, so I'm still using that in the concept. But still, you have the ground to deal with, and if if it rains, ground gets wet. Um, and that's a great point for any kind of ground system is you real uh, actually, once again, you and I talked about this, you have to take into consideration where you're going to build that ground system. Can't be too low. Can't be too high. Can't be in a gully. Can't be in a channel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And you, you, anytime you're going in the woods for the night, you have to really pay attention to your environment. You have to look around regardless of a ha of what system you're going, you got to make sure you look up. You don't have any of those willow makers, I think they love to call them. Yep. There's no trees about to come down. You want to make sure it's not a spot where the wind is going to be strong. You want to make sure it's like it's not on a path. I mean, it's funny you have to say that, but I, I, I watched a couple of uh, things about uh, through hikers, and there was this young girl, and she, she was out doing a through hike through the Appalachian Trail, I think it was, and... Uh, she 
she was tired one night and she was looking for a pace and she just dropped it right right where she stopped and she put up her her tent and uh, I guess she got a rude awakening that night when one of the runners on the on the trail ran literally over her tent. So, it, I mean, it can trail. happen. I guess it, it, it's a very good point. You got to be aware of where you're setting up, and trails are not a good place. No, but it's tempting. Sometimes that's the best flat spot you can find, right? Oh, for sure. And, but uh, game trails, same thing, right? You would last thing you want is a deer. Or where I'm from, I mean, maybe a moose coming right. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that'd be a very rude awakening during the night to have a moose trample over you. You'll remember it if you're lucky. Well, yeah, I was about to say, I hope I remembered if a moose goes over me. I, uh, anybody that knows me before my current job, I used to work with natural resources and I used to deal with the moose here and there. And they, I, I've seen a couple in Cape Breton Highlands. Um, they can actually be a very aggressive creature. But anyway, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm just trying to think about where where we want to go with this because there's a few things I want to bring up. And I, I mean, something to bring up is just the thought of what would be the minimum sleep system that you could go into the woods with. And, and, and I got to thinking a bit, well, like, what's the smallest, least amount of gear you could take? And, and, and I mentioned it to you in the past, I think would probably be your debris shelter, which would meet mm -hmm. the minimum requirements of everything. It, it give you, if you put enough debris and stuff down below, you got your insulation from the ground and you build your little structure up, you, you don't need to really carry almost any equipment. You can do this with, with nothing, really. Uh, but you're going to need some relatively ideal environment. You're going to want some relatively dry sticks so you can break them off yourself. You're going to want a lot of dry debris and stuff that you can pile up. And I think, I was reading somewhere, they recommend at least three feet of debris over you to make it more or less waterproof and well-insulating. That's going to take some time. It's it's probably the better part of four to six hours to make that in near ideal conditions. Somebody there might say, oh, no, I've built them in 15 minutes or an hour. I don't know. But I, I've tried a few times with my daughter's setting them up and stuff. And even with like a rake and just raking up a large area, it took us quite a while to, to, to gather that kind of debris in the areas I've been in. Oh, for sure. And Randall just said the same thing down there. Debris, uh, dry debris can be hard to come by in some places. And you and I had talked about this there the other night when we were before the Facebook glitch as we were chatting. I tried my hand at a debris shelter, going out, gung-ho, a little more headstrong than I probably should have been. Went that minimalist route, uh, went out through a, a debris shelter together and what I thought was going to be 15 or 20 minutes. Turned out to be three hours, four hours maybe. And I looked at it and said, oh man, four hours, all times, time into this. It's going to be great. And I woke up wet because I only had about uh, a foot of debris over the whole thing, which was not significant. And it wasn't raining hard. It was just kind of, uh, you've seen the pictures that I, we have up here about the waterfall and stuff there. It was a very similar situation to that. It was just by a lake, but all that morning dew and stuff, man, it can creep in real easy. And that's oh, yeah. That's where your primary sleep system would come in uh, very handy, like a sleeping bag or something like that. Even a bivy bag would help kept some of that moisture out. Yeah, and I think the bivy bag is really the modern equivalent of a carrying uh, debris shelter. You've got about the same amount of room to, to, uh, to uh, cover yourself with, 
and it's a very lightweight, compact system that you can pretty well carry anywhere. And it would work virtually anywhere there's enough room to lay down. Where with a hammock, you do need two solid points to tie to. It doesn't even have to be trees with a hammock. I mean, if you can find a decent rock that you can wrap something around or hook something to, you need two solid points. But you always, as long as you're able to walk, you'll find something to stand on. Whether you'll be comfortable is is the the question that I have there, right? Um, and I, I can attend, attest to that. Uh, hammocks are a vicious creature in their own. Those who love them, love them well. Those who don't can go, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's um, I have some, some people I know that they're completely against hammocks. They say it's the worst sleep of their night uh, or the worst sleep of their life. And they just can't say enough bad about them. And honestly, I personally think it comes down to them not using the hammock properly. As uh, we have chatted before, we both know you don't sleep straight in the hoop of a hammock. You kind of have to get off center a little bit so that you can yeah. stretch out a bit. And a lot yeah. of people overlook that. And that actually comes into effect when we're talking about underquilts and stuff. Not to jump back on the hammock dream here, but it is what we both use. You have to, like some people just take a blanket and say, oh, I'll just throw this around the whole thing and we're good. But... Once you start moving around in a hammock, unless that's a good system set up, you can run into a lot of potential problems with that as well. Oh, yeah. And and, and you mentioned, like, some people love something. My brother personally hates them. And, and we took a trip last fall, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, me and my brother went down to Keji, and, and we did uh, two nights. And the first night, the only site that was available was actually one where you rent one of the cabins that are, are in, in the backwoods. I can't remember the number. Um, but we, we spent the whole day kayaking in and, and had a great time. And I had planned on staying in my hammock for the night. But my brother really kind of insisted he'd like to lay in the cabin. He said it would be more comfortable. So I'm looking in there and I'm like, I, I didn't bring a mattress. All I had was my underquilt, my sleeping bag. And he had a, a slight, a small one of these sort of like I think the climax style one doesn't take a lot of air to fill it up but gives you about maybe an inch and a half to two inches mm -hmm. of, of insulation so he set that up and he slept like a baby I woke up in the middle of the night I felt something touch my face there was a, a <laughs> there was a mouse in this cabin and it touched my face and I got up and I chased the thing around the cabin and I was half half the night I was sore because I was laying on a, a solid wood bed. I tried putting like my sleeping bag and my under quilt under me and just pulled a blanket over me. And I, I slept hardly at all. It was a miserable night for me. And the next night we, we, we got there and I set up the hammocks and my brother slept in the hammock. Now my brother has a broken collarbone from years ago that never healed right. And he's lost the socket. And a shoulder squeeze inside of a hammock makes it uncomfortable for him. He was unable to sleep that night. He could not get comfortable, regardless of how he laid and what he did. And he said that was the worst night of his life. And I mean, I think we both had the worst night of our life, not, lives that camping trip in one way, because neither of us slept for one night. But I slept like a baby. It rained, and I was looking out, and it was nice and comfortable and dry in my hammock. And my brother is out there sitting at the fire, as miserable as can be in the rain. Was <laughs> not happy in his hammock? <laughs> so uh, a good point to bring up for anybody that's never slept in a hammock. You were talking about the shoulder squeeze. Picture yeah. sleeping in a hug 
And that's the best way to explain it. It's not like sleeping on the ground where you're out and you're free to flip and flop. This thing literally kind of cocoons you. So you have to be very careful, or sorry, very comfortable sleeping on your back. Because uh, I assume, have you ever tried to do the old rollover by accident and try to sleep on your side and almost dislocate your spine? <laughs> I I sleep quite well in mine on my side. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've perfected the side sleep. Now, I love at home in my own mattress, I sleep mostly on my front. You cannot. No, I'm thinking I put a lot of pressure. Sleep comfortably back. in a hammock on your front. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen. Um but you can, if you, you get a, your uh, technique down, you can sleep on your side. And I find I can do that for maybe an hour, hour and a half to two hours. And I have to roll to the other side just to, yeah. to even it out some. And that's fair. Yeah. Uh, another good point you brought up, and we were talking about this, and I know it's one of the points you want to touch on too, so I was trying to leave it in my head, was the creepy crawlies. Yes. So that's an important thing to talk about in sleep systems of any kind. So Ben mentioned a mouse running across his face. In the debris shelter, I left out the point uh, part where it felt like I was inside literally some sort of bug nest. Because when you debris stuff up, it gets very, very uh, compacted with everything that was in that debris, including the creepy crawlies like bugs and snakes salamanders. and salamanders and anything that would be in that stuff. So Spiders basically anything so it was one of the points you want to touch on what was uh what was it you were looking to say on that specifically oh, well, then? so and this this is getting into the expanding of the sleep system to me a sleep system has to protect you from everything so you can get a good night's sleep and with my hammock i have the screen most tents you'd have a screen of some type if you're going to a natural shelter or even just a tarp shelter you lose that, so you, you're still open to, to critters, be they insect or small rodents. And that's there's a risk to that of, if nothing else, just waking up with a, an unsettling creature touching your face. But at worst, potentially them damaging your equipment or I think a much lower risk is they could injure you. Um, hmm. As, as a small kid, I crawled in under a, a, a set of steps one time, and I got bit by some insect. We don't know what it was, and it swelled my arm way up. If you have the potential to have a, an allergic reaction to an, an insect, and for me, I'm fortunate, it hasn't happened since. But uh, if Graham's watch, I know he's had problems with like Lyme disease in his, his world, so ticks, things like that. I mean, these are real risks. Mosquitoes kill more people around the world than any other animal. Yeah. I think, you know, it's it's a major killer. It's not a huge problem here. But keeping those insects, that stuff off you is, is fairly important. So, so a sleep system that provides you that. Bivvies, a lot of bivvies, I think, have have some kind of face protection. A, a Mine netting. does it. It's old, uh, once again, military surplus. But, yes, I have seen the ones that have, like, the, yeah. the screen you just pull over your face and it keeps stuff from coming in with you. Which yeah, would I mean, be greatly appreciated. And and that's that's like a, a, a later part of the of, of your, your system. And it, it it all depends on time of year. And in, in winter, a screen isn't all that, that important. Although I think I mentioned to you one time in the past, and I've said this to other people, I find that the screen does retain some heat in your sleep system. And I agree. Uh, right? So th there is that, right? But a lot of people, you'll the gram weenies. 
these guys are awesome, by the way. If, you, if, you, if you're into ultralight camping, there's a lot of great ultralight camping books out there. I have a few of them. I've read them. And these guys will talk about ways to save weight. And they will cut the screens off of things because it's not that important. They will cut tabs off of things. Anything to save a gram. To me, the screen's worth it. I've watched one guy, though, that he had a system set up, and it's fairly famous in the, in the hammocking world, where it's like a half screen. It only goes over your head down to about where your sleeping bag joins. So it's just a tiny little screen that pulled, it's, it ties to a rope and just keeps off your face like a tiny tent that just goes over your face to protect you. You know, but it makes a difference. It, it keeps... It keeps you safe where you need to be safe. They're not going to come through your sleeping bag. They're not going to bite you necessarily underneath a hammock or whatever. I guess if it's a one-layer hammock and you got nothing underneath you, they could bite through like they can bite through jeans. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that that's the other thing. I mean, I had uh, listed here. What, what I think the requirements of a sleep system is and something to regulate your temperature, keep you warm, keep you dry, safe from wildlife and weather, and comfortable. And I mean, that was the uh, the big thing for me and you to get off the ground was comfort. It, it added to our comfort, right? And for that's sure. the main, main thing. I mean, as long as you're dry, safe, and warm. And funny enough, that's what a, a sleep system means to me. It keeps you dry, yeah. safe, and warm. Uh, you yeah. got a much better list than I did, Ben. I got to tip my hat to you there. That was a way better list to broke it down. Can you read that off one more time? I'm kind of making jot notes on that too. Uh, sleep system basic requirements. Regulate temperature, basically keep you warm. Yep. Not hot, not cold. That was item one. Second was dry. Uh, again, if you're wet, you're miserable. And if you're wet and cold, you're in danger. Like Oh, for sure. I completely agree with that. Uh, and then safe, wildlife, insects, weather, I mean, rain, you name it. Uh, and that goes right back to the, the Widowmaker. If you're camped under a dead tree with dead branches hanging out, your shelter isn't, your sleep system isn't a safe sleep system if that's where you're too, because there's something can come down over you, unless you've you've made it safe by by putting a very strong roof over your head. But that's that's work, which usually you can just set up elsewhere. And the last thing was comfort, right? And that's where you come to your different systems. And I mean, I think we've covered types pretty good, but we haven't really covered under insulation as much. Like we've gone to the, the above, but so underneath, we, you do have your raised wood beds, you have your foam mats. In the hammocks, we have our under quilts. And Anyone who's just done car camping has the old air mattress that you blow up with six inches of, of insulation. And those are awesome for comfort. They're, they're great for comfort. I don't find them that good for insulation. I don't know if you've ever had this. Uh, back when Melissa and I first started camping, we'd, as the weather got colder, we'd blow them up and we'd put them down. And we'd literally just have like a thin blanket under that and we'd throw our sleeping bags under over us. Yeah. And we always woke up kind of chilled because there, there's really not a whole lot of thermal protection to a air mattress. They're great in the summer. 100% agree. They're great in the summer, but they don't offer a lot of under thermal protection. They add a ton of under comfort, yeah. but not so great oh, with the thermal protection. Right. And and that's, you got two things going on here. And it's a great caveat here is whatever insulation you have underneath you, because if you're probably sleeping in a, in a sleeping bag on that air mattress, or was it just blankets? 
Uh, it was we literally threw a blanket over us, shared a sleeping blanket, and Andres uh, might have been another sleeping blanket. Yeah, we probably did the whole double tube thing with the sleeping blanket. Didn't have yeah. a two person one, so we made one. So you've compressed the insulation underneath you, and 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 down that's you know completely gone on a synthetic. You still got a bit of insulation, but it's significantly reduced. Anytime you've compressed your insulation, you don't have your loft. You've lost your heat, and that's where like closed cell foam and and the, those self-inflating air mattresses they have a bit better insulation because they're they're a foam that just accepts air and it inflates out. But you do have to protect yourself from below, and that's that's kind of what we were kind of getting into, I guess. And, and I mean, yeah, for sure. Like in my sleeping, or sorry, in my hammock, I, I'm not lucky enough to have an underquilt like yourself, but I do have one of those self-inflating mattresses, like you said, and it offers a lot. We said this, or uh, you and I were talking about this last night. Yeah. Uh, one of those, and then the Mylar, literally, it's for the windshield of a car. So I just call it, I call it the Mylar pad. But if you yeah. throw one of those down, man, yeah, exact thing for um, those that can't see. He has one there. But it it's literally just goes in the front of your car. It reflects the heat out. Well, the same principle works for when it's under you. It reflects your own heat back, and it keeps the cold air from coming into you. So it's a very important part of sleep system is, once again, to get that thermal layering under you. Because if, like... Everybody always assumes that the coldest part's going to be around them. Yeah, I love it all the time when we go to medical calls or something like that, and there's like somebody laying in the snow, and they're waiting for somebody to come, and you throw a blanket over them. Like, a lot of times, you're not really helping that person. Getting them out of the snow is the better way to go, and getting that conduction loss out. Yeah, yeah, um, but you really do have to be careful with someone who is laying in the snow. Because once they reach a certain point, there, there's risks with extreme cold, right? Um, and, and I don't want to say too much on this because I, I, I've done courses on this and I hate to tell someone the wrong thing. But essentially, if you get someone who's really, really cold and you move them too much, you can shock them to the point where they may not recover. There's potentially like ice crystals that can form into blood that can go to the heart and that will stop them dead. Yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. So if you come to that point, you have a whole, like there's a whole medical thing that you really need to understand. And our search and rescue group, we have, we do teach courses on how to recover and we have a, a like a stretcher set up for hypothermia and it's quite this, quite the system um and it, you know you hope you never have to use it you have to try to keep all that stuff in your head um but yes but at least throwing something over the top and keeping the cold wind off that's a start oh for sure and snow is a great insulator like if you're laying in the snow uh, a, a, a shelter that we, we will eventually i'm sure talk about like quincy huts i think is one of the names for is the snow hut. yeah you snow ever, shelter ever uh, slept you... in snow shelter <laughs> you and I have had this conversation, Ben. Yes, I have slept in a snow shelter. But, you can uh, eat one of those with a candle. Man. Yeah, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. Snow is a great insulator. Uh, and when it comes to a sleep system, it could be your, your surrounding heat. Like you said, you can heat it with a candle. But the thing to remember with snow is it produces water as it melts. So you have to have something that separates you from that potential of getting wet and the yeah, thermal and, protection. And of our four heat losses... It's really bad for the conduction. It's great for the convection. It, it, it stops the cold air from getting in. It stops the warm air from getting out. I mean, if you're inside that shelter, 
but but you're right. Like when you're touching it, it is still frozen water. It's still cold to the touch. It's at least zero degrees, probably a little bit lower. And as it approaches zero, it gets more and more the tendency to melt. And the next thing you know, you have have slush and ice, and that gets into your clothes, and you're you're really miserable. Uh, I completely agree. And something I just wanted to add in there. Um, when you said moisture is a lot of people don't realize that their own breath puts off a lot of moisture. So sometimes hiding your head in your sleeping bag can actually be counterproductive to keeping you warm. Yeah, very much so. And, and I've seen systems where people actually take uh, a small blanket or, or like a towel and they hang inside their hammock down to, from the above their head to their neck. And I think they call it a frost blanket. I can't remember. Frost bib. And it's to prevent their cold air from hitting their sleeping system and, and, and freezing onto that, getting a frost onto that. Uh, I've, I, in the winter, when I've camped, and even sometimes in cold summer nights, I have a small wool cap that I carry and put, pull over my head. So I don't tend to want to pull my head into the sleeping bag because that is so tempting. And it works so well for a short period of time. When you're really cold, you pull your head into your sleeping bag, and you warm up right away. And it's because that warm breath's in there, but that's going to get into your sleeping bag, dampen it down, and then it's going to suck the heat right out of you. And it's a short-term solution that's really going to hurt you in the long run. And, and, and I guess you'd get away with it in the morning if you're just about to get out and you're trying to warm up that last few seconds. But if you're in for four or five nights and you're in the sleeping bag, that's one of the things you have to keep everything dry. And prime it, or a good lead into that is a lot of people that are out for a few days, the one thing they forget to do Air out your sleeping bag. Yes, yes. You shouldn't just leave it in your in your shelter or your tent or anything like that. You should get that thing out, give it a good flick, and drape it over something to get all that moisture from when you were sleeping in it out. Because if not, your next night's going to be worse, and it's a compounding problem. Yeah, yeah, it, it, very much so. And I mean, it. I, I've read stories. I, I really wish I had more opportunity to use these down sleeping bags. They sound awesome, but I've read stories where people talked to it. They had them. And he'd been out for four or five nights in a row. And around the end, it became like it got the down clumped up and it was looked very deflated. And they're looking at them like when it was new, it was this big, puffy, round, awesome looking thing. And then it was and that's what they found out is that it was getting too damp. It wasn't drying out and all the all the down just clumped right up. Yeah, uh, a good way to view this for anybody that's listening. I didn't mean to cut you off, Ben, but um, anybody that has a cotton pillow. And you know how you get that pillow, and after the first night, it's just lovely. And then after a few nights, that thing kind of flattens down, right? On a nice hot summer day, take that same pillow out and throw it on your paved driveway. That thing will puff right back up. It's amazing how many oils and moisture from your body will go into that pillow, and you won't even notice it. And it's really affecting, like, just picture that through your whole sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's a good analogy, and, and, and it's definitely something to think about. And it, if you're out and it's it's damp weather, it's like mozzy or foggy, and, you, and you're out for two or three days in a row, it's going to be impossible to dry everything well. It's just a factor you're going to have to deal with. But if you got a nice, beautiful, sunny day, it's it's if you can take your your gear out a little bit and let it dry, or even if you hang it over the back of your pack, hang it out a little bit while you walk, it'll dry a lot more, right? Then cramped in cramped right into your 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 compression sacks right oh for sure like i mean getting any air movement through it at all is great and for people that are multi-camping and they say it's raining oh i don't have the room to get it out 
open it up inside your shelter and let some heat come in from your fire or something like that. Like anything to get air moving through it and pull some of that moisture out. Don't be counterproductive and let moisture in, but <laughs> anything that you can do to think to get some of that moisture out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, I mean, and that seems to be a reoccurring uh, theme here is that uh, you uh, you get too wet, you put yourself at risk. And, and you, you know, like I've often said, I mean, I don't mind camping in the winter. And, and that's the worst thing I find here is we have damp winters in Nova Scotia. And as such, if you're going out and it's cold is one thing. If it's wet, it's another thing. But if it's cold and wet, it's miserable. It can be very miserable. Uh, and maybe there's people out there that love cold, wet. And it's great if you want to challenge yourself. It makes Nova Scotian winters probably more challenging than much colder environments. I've slept outside in Newfoundland and much colder nights and felt a lot less risk than you would here. Well, I'm sure you can attend to this and it's on the same subject. There's a difference between a damp cold and a dry cold. Same as there's a difference between a dry heat and uh, a humid heat. In the summer, it can be 32 degrees, but if the humidity is low, it, it's not really that bad. But if the humidity is like 98, I basically want to curl up in a closet and hopefully never show my face until it dries up. Same kind of thing, but in reverse for when you're sleeping, too. Moisture is going to compound problems that come from cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a killer. You, 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 you said wet and you're dead? Uh, if you sweat, you die. Very you famous die. quote. Somebody coined it that was on TV once. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I believe it. Um, I want it to... Uh, bring up to like system boosters and this this is something i've researched quite a bit and never really found a lot of great ones but there are a couple of things um before you go to bed at night if you can eat a nice good high calorie meal that will keep you a lot warmer the whole action of digesting food heats you up it's it's your body's working to do that it creates a lot of heat and and consuming food creates a lot of heat and the other trick that I seem to hear a lot about is the hot water bottle. And that's, you take your, your, your normal water bottle, preferably probably a metal one, you take basically boiling water and, and pour in it or heat it up over the stove and then stick it in a wool sock and throw it in the foot of your bed. Tightly do up that lid. Yeah, and you don't want to be that, wet. <laughs> After I was just going on about it for like 15 minutes. But but you throw that down in your sleeping bag or throw it in your sleeping bag a couple of minutes before you crawl in that night and you get into a warm bed and that makes a big difference. The other thing that I've read quite a bit is if you have to go use the washroom in the middle of the night, go. They say holding on to that, and, and I don't understand this one. I really don't, but they, they swear it's true. Holding on to your heat or your, your your moisture inside your body does take a lot of energy and it does suck the heat out of you. Um, and it seems counterintuitive to me to have to get out in the cold, deal with that issue, and then crawl back in. But they do insist that it's true. And I do believe it. It's just it does seem counterintuitive to me. So the idea uh, behind what, what are that is... Well, I was about to say, actually, we have touched on this a little bit. Uh, I, I used to teach that in some of the classes I used to teach. And the, the thinking behind it is imagine taking uh, a, a bottle of water like this, right? Yeah. And hold it next to your body, and you're trying to warm that up at the same time you're trying to keep yourself warm. And that's kind of the idea, except the bottle's inside you and it's your bladder. I mean, I, I get the idea of not getting... Sorry? 
But it's already warm. <laughs> it's already 36 degrees. But it's extra. You're not warm, you're just being... But you're keeping it warm, right? It, it's it's something extra yeah. inside your body that you're expending calories and heat to try and keep warm that you can expend from your body. And you don't have to burn through the same amount of calories, which could mean the difference between you staying warm or in a survival situation. Like, I mean, calories count, right? Oh, yeah. uh, but 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 that's the idea behind it to the best of my knowledge because much like yourself it's like well it doesn't really matter it's already inside you but the idea is if this bottle was already warm and you were sleeping here with it once it starts cooling off you're still cycling heat into that bottle you're not getting any additional heat from it you're putting heat into it but it what uh, it's a poor analogy but i mean it, it, it kind of is the same thing uh the best thing to do is like go to the bathroom before you go to bed Try to drain yep. your bladder as much as you can, and then you don't even have any fluid inside. You just start initially warming up. Uh, as we did say with the hammocks, sometimes that can be a problem because they tend to, the way you lay, sometimes they can push on your bladder a little bit, and you're angled in different ways. It, you tend to, to use the washroom a little bit more in hammocks, but uh, the best thing, as you said, is just to expel that before you go to bed, and if you do need to during the night, the idea behind getting out and getting rid of it is just that. You're not keeping it warm, but the counter argument to that is, well, you're getting out of bed. Now you're flash freezing your body if it's very cold. And yep. you got to try and jump back into your, your sleep blanket or your sleep system and try and rewarm that back up. So you, although they do say to get rid of it, you do kind of have to balance that out too, I will admit. but So this is one spot, though, that guys have a definite advantage over girls in a hammock. There is the possibility, and I'm not saying I... I I encourage anyone to do it, and I can see the downsides to it. I know but where you're you going can, with this already. <laughs> you can roll to one side and not get out of your hammock as a guy. Oh, okay. I, okay, you didn't go as far as I was going to go. I was going to say, well, the same bottle that I've been using for demonstrations, and I have people say that that's what they do. They keep a bottle literally yes. in their tent or in their hammock. They use the bottle. I'm not really sure how in a hammock without getting wet. But anyway, they use the bottle, seal it back up, and that, that's their restroom for the night, and then deal with it in the morning. Now, I've heard of that, too, and I just don't trust myself with that skill at all. Oh, my I'm, God. No, not at all. I'm just, <laughs> I, I've tried dressing myself in a hammock just to, you know, like, take your pants and all that in and try to get in it, and, it, and that's hard. Even getting into a sleeping bag, like a, a traditional sleeping bag, if you haven't got it all done up or if you... When you crawl in, it didn't center right, and all of a sudden the zipper's not where you want, and you're trying to get it out from under you. That's a, it's a lot of work to move around. Like you get in the right spot in a hammock, you kind of stay there. Like you said, it's like a hug. It holds you in the right spot, but it's not really friendly to allowing you to change the positions greatly or or to adjust like clothing and stuff. Like there there are some struggles in a hammock, and if you have the muscle cramp. And you're in that type of situation, which I've had. I've had a, a leg muscle cramp up with trying to move around in a hammock. It's it's an exciting time. <laughs> exciting. I love that word. It, it's anything but exciting in my mind, but I understand why you would say that. You, you're trying to figure out how am I getting out of here without permanently injuring myself, right? <laughs> I, I, I've taken one leg and literally straightened my other leg out with it to get past the cramp and crawl out of the bed right and i don't know if that's the right way to deal with it or not but you can't stay in the bed forever right it is what it is i mean you do what has to work uh i'm just looking at our time there ben and we are coming up on the one hour mark i do know we had about a seven minute technical difficulty where we had to restart 
But yeah. uh, we should try and wrap this up a little bit. Do you have any final thoughts or any other points that you want to touch on before we try and put this one to bed? Might be something we reapproach again later on, but uh, no, I, we hit most of the high points. I mean, there's there's a ton of things that we can talk about these this stuff, and and I I, I want to talk more about like the the shelters. I and I really want to hear any questions and it doesn't have to be now i mean we don't have a lot of time left but anyone has questions we'll, we'll answer i haven't I, I closed down my phone so i haven't seen any feed uh, but, i've uh, been watching here and replying to people not many questions coming up some comments mark young popped in for a little bit i don't know if he's still here randall graham was on um uh yeah but no real questions a lot of comments i replied to them gave them the thumbs up and stuff but not a lot of questions this time no I mean, if anyone listens to this and has questions, I mean, feel free to, to leave something on our page or, or, or message to one of us. I think there's going to be better ways of getting hold to us shortly. About 24 hours, <laughs> and we'll have some options. Yeah. So so these things are, are, are great. Um, but it, it was it was enjoyable. I, I did some research, and it, it's hard to explain how much time you can put into research that isn't probably as obvious as you would think. But uh, but no, it it, it was good, uh, and we'll uh, we'll look into this the next week's subject later after this we we close down. I think we'll discuss that. Sure, and that that's a good one too. And I'll post that up now. As Ben was saying, for anybody that's listening from some of the other groups, there we now do have our own Facebook channel, which is the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures Facebook channel. And the other methods of contacting us uh, that aren't available yet, but we are rolling out is in the future you're going to be able to find us on our own website. Uh, I am going to upload all our podcast audios. The videos will be available on our YouTube channel, which we'll also touch on later, as well as the Facebook for however long they keep them up. But uh, I know some of you said you wanted the audio things. We're going to upload them to the website there. Once I think we have six, I can then try and put them onto the iTunes system there, which I have zero experience with, but hopefully I can figure it out. And as well onto Google Play. They have their own podcasting section as well. So we're going to try and hit both those major markets. We just needed to set up the website first. I registered the domain this morning. Hopefully it'll take like 24 hours, 48 hours, and we'll be up and running, and we can start hammering some stuff out there. So hopefully, definitely by next week, we can maybe make some more reference to that. Maybe I'll include it in the live feed. and We can have some fun there. Sure, for sure. Yeah, no, um, so, so this was good. I hope people enjoyed it, and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll, they'll comment any questions they have in the future or thoughts they have or anything they'd like us to, to think about or look into. Oh, for sure, and I, I realize we're being a little long-winded here, ladies and gentlemen, and we're hoping to rein that in as we get more into the flow of things. Uh, as we stated in the first one there, it's still going to be a learning experience for us. Neither myself and I don't think Ben have any real experience doing podcasting before. No. So honestly, guys, it's just us having a conversation through the camera, really looking for your guys' input. We try to respond back to it. We pick a topic. We hammer off the important subjects that we think we should cover on that. Uh, once again, we're really hoping to get some interaction with you guys. I'll, once Now that the Facebook page is up and the Facebook gremlins are gone, we can start putting some polls up about uh, questions, topics, and things you want to see in the future. Uh, what's your thoughts there, Ben? Uh, I'm, I'm just really impressed with the poll idea. I, I hadn't thought of that at all. Oh man, but I yes. got it covered, buddy. <laughs> oh man. 
it wasn't for you, we'd be lost. <laughs> Funny enough, as we were sitting here chatting, one of the things I noticed was we can have polls live. So if we can hit a night with a real interesting topic, we'll definitely have a live poll and have some fun with that too. Eventually, yeah. I hope to get in contact with some of our Facebook buddies there, and maybe we can even get into a few giveaways. So, so. a great poll that maybe we could throw out now just to see is why does everyone's choice of sleep system? Sure, that'll be the next one. That'll be up for the next... As soon as we finish up the video, why don't we leave it up until next week and we'll touch on it very first thing before we move on to our subject. Yeah, it'd be nice, interesting to see what other, other people's favorites are and, and uh, kind of get a, a feel of what our viewers like. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, I covered everything I wanted to. You said you pretty much hit everything you did. I already yep. mentioned the domain. Uh, so that that's it for me. Is there any final closing remarks for you there, Ben? No, I'm good. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the second episode. It's always been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll see you again next week, which is March the 26th, 27th, yeah. sorry, March the 27th, providing Facebook doesn't creep up and smack us in the face again. Uh, and we'll release the subject probably in the next day or two. All right, guys, have a good night.